Where is Autumn? How dare you make me wait? Where are you? Give me five, she says. I need five minutes. Five minutes for you to wait. Unbelievable Autumn. Where is Autumn? I have to leave soon. I have a date. Not a romantic date. I just have somewhere to be. And before I go, I'll surely need to pee. Which means I need all the time I can get. Autumn. Autumn. Hello? Hello. What is this magic echo you have? This was the control board that you had that you gave me. <gasps> There's an echo? You gave up the ability to do oh. this and, and this, this and this. this, this. And <laughs> this. No, say, with that one, say, the test is over. Now, 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 now. I thought I was wrong, thought I was right. Thought it better not to fight. I thought there was a virtue in always being cool. So coping mechanisms. Hey, you're not supposed to reveal what it is. Oh, all right. We can just get into the show, I guess. Okay. Should I start it? I mean, if you wanna if you wanna talk about it beforehand. There's a reason. I'll set the whole thing up for you. Yeah, don't set it up. I'll just we'll do it as we go. Three, two, one. Welcome to One Topic, where we try to stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. And I am Greg Russ. And uh, we're going to try and stick to one topic today. Today is Greg's turn to come up with his one topic. So what is what is your one topic? Well, the topic you didn't seem to like so much because I texted you this morning of what I wanted to talk about. And you said, I, I don't know, another heavy episode, Greg. I want to get back into the light stuff. So I apologize. Those, those were not my words. <laughs> That's the way I took it. I said, sure, let's make sure next week's is less therapeutic sounding, though. Lighten that shit up. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I said. Is what no, you said. were like, um, I guess that's OK this time. But that's what you said. Well, that's the way I that's read what it. you said. I said I thought you were very disappointed in me. No, no, it just sounds heavy, which I'm into. I like obviously I like that kind of stuff, but I would don't want our show to be just. I don't know super introspective is that the right way to put it yeah that's fine uh, don't yeah. worry before you know it, we'll be back to talking about how many times you clean your shower in a year yeah oh man we've lived here since june and i just cleaned ours <laughs> well you, you saved that that's a topic for another all time. right hold on you got to put it in the document i'll add it to the doc. document the google doc where all our brilliant ideas go it's secret no one can see it except for us yeah but maybe one day if we ever try to get money out of people mm -hmm. like Hey, if you donate $1,000 a month, we'll give you access to the Ooh. super secret doc view only. View only. Yeah, you can't edit it. I'm not letting you edit it, you morons. No, but for $10,000 a month, <laughs> you can edit the doc. Yeah. And you can throw in all the topics you want. Doesn't as long as you cite that it's from you and not just 
put it in there like Greg and I made up the, the topic. Yeah, I mean, that's important because we don't want to yeah. talk about your topics. They're surely not as good as our topics. And Now, is this a coping mechanism because you're afraid to start? Well, that's the thing. We didn't even <laughs> announce what today's topic was going to be. And I was just, I was thinking about my coping mechanisms and just life. Uh, what happens, you know, when I feel put upon or stressed out? And the reason this came up is because I had a lot of work. On, I'm putting together this show that I do, Fireside Mystery Theater. It's once a month, uh, live stage show and I do all the sound effects for it it's like old radio plays on stage and this was weighing heavy on me and then I had to come up with uh an idea for the show because it was my week right right and I I couldn't come up with an idea I was like I don't know I there's we're surrounded by things the whole idea of the show it's one topic it can be anything that crosses your mind I could just walk down the side I couldn't figure anything out and all I wanted to do was blow all this shit up and isolate. And I was like, wow, that is really my go-to coping mechanism, which is what triggered this idea of just talking about coping mechanisms in general because, you know, everyone's got a different system in place. And my system isn't a very good system. And I thought maybe I could learn something from you. You deal with more people on a regular basis too. So you're around more coping mechanisms than I am. I was like, yeah, maybe I can use this. It is therapeutic. Sure, maybe that's I, fine. Maybe I can use this as an opportunity to learn from Autumn, yeah. who I trust, who I think has her shit together because she has a husband and kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that um, I cope well in every situation, but I typically have a more carefree attitude about something that I'm worried about. Um <clears throat> I found that really if you just keep on going, then things just happen. Not all things. I mean, there's a lot of things that you really have to work on and practice. But I think just like even with our show, I think there are things about it that I would like to be um, more polished and more shined up. And But that's not going to come without time, right? That's just going to have to come with more practice and time. And so that's kind of what I feel. I think, well, we'll just, that'll just happen. So I can't really worry about that. Um, uh, but there are times when I don't know how to handle what's happening right now, like whether it's an interaction between Travis and I that I'm not happy about or something with the kids. And I do that thing where I'm like, fine. And I just like drop it. I'm out. I don't. I'm not I'm not dealing with it. It's that kind of thing. I so think I, I, that's a fair way to deal with things sometimes. So when you get stressed, if something yeah. is really getting at you, your whole method is to to say, well, nothing I can really do and keep put your head down and forge ahead. Yeah, I feel like. Um, you know, when. Um, OK, a long time ago, I saw this. It was one of those, you know how randomly you'll see space shows on TV? I don't know when they air. I used to think they always would happen in the fall time, but that's not the truth. It's just every once in a while on PBS, there's like really cool space programming on. So they're like, I used to watch that. And this woman who was an astronaut was talking about the mechanical arm on the space shuttle. And when she was training on how to maneuver that properly and really precisely. And she 
was given the advice to stop thinking because a lot of times when she would think, she would mess it up. And when you when you're going to reach for something with your own hand, you're not thinking about the placement of it and how you're going to open your fingers and grasp it a certain way. You're just go and grab it. And we don't you don't really think about it. But if you did think about it, you might not do it right because it's a weird thing to think about. So anyway, she said that when she would sort of just blank out and just move the arm where she wanted it, she would do it better. And so I've sort of adapted that in a lot of ways where it's like, just keep going. Just keep doing it. And uh, if you want to get to a goal, just keep going towards that goal. There are things that you have to do on the way that do take some discipline sometimes. But you'll just get there. You'll get there eventually. Like right now, I feel overweight because I don't know why, <laughs> but I am. And I feel like, listen, right now, I've seen a lot of other moms with, that are in the same stage of their kids. Like they're little, they have little kids. You're busy. You don't have a lot of time to be selfish. And so sometimes you make up with that with eating. You're like, fuck it. I'm not, I'm eating this pizza. I'm having another piece because I don't get to do a lot of things I want to do. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat these cookies. So, but I, I just feel like right now, that's, this is where I am. Eventually I'll be at a place where it's like, I can focus on my body more and being more healthy or getting exercise will be something I'll want to do. But right now that is just not interesting to me at all. But I just think, well, I'll get there. And stressing about it right now is not going to do me any good because there's nothing I can do about it. I think I'd be working against progress if I forced myself to do something when I don't feel like it's the right time for it. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I think it's a very healthy approach. Uh, when you were a kid, how did you deal with stress or anything? Like, you know, it, I, I just use stress as a generalized term here, but anything that caused anxiety or if like you're in school and then it's like, Hey, you have an assignment to do now. And it's like, I don't want to do this thing, you know? Well, there's a difference. So I think a lot of my stress when I was, I feel like I felt, I feel like I was the most stressed in middle school because I did not have a clear identity. I was trying on a lot of hats in middle school as to who I was. And I was trying to be like a hippie because in the 90s, the early 90s, it was kind of like a thing maybe to be hippie-ish. I wanted to be a hippie. I put a sticker on this photo album that I brought to school. It was one of those big like flower stickers that you'd see on the side of like a hippie bus, you know? Yeah. And um, this skater kid was wanting to look at it at lunch and he took it. And when he gave it back to me, he wrote like fucking hippie in a pen. Like he gouged it into my... That's photo a nasty album. Thing. That really hurt my feelings. Well, middle school just in general is an awful time. I think that if you could send people instead of prison to prison back to middle school, that would be, you know, that would really cause reform in people. I think that people have different experiences in middle school versus high school. I have my cousin who loved middle school but had a harder time in high school. I'm like, are you nuts? I hated middle school. I loved high school. Yeah, no, but, middle school, everyone's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and who they are and you know, it's like you get picked on, so you just pick on someone else, and it's awful, awful time. Also, umbros were popular then. Boys would wear umbro shorts with boxer shorts underneath, which means you saw their balls quite often. <laughs> and for some reason, this is something I wanted. I was like, Mom, can I get some umbros? And she, yeah. she, no. She always said no. And at the time, I was angry, but now I look back on it, and I'd say, I, I would like to thank her. 
Saying thank yeah. you for not letting me wear umbros as normal shorts to school. Yeah, so I'm watching uh, Coming to America, and he's using you know the the cool guys wearing using Soul Glow in his hair. <laughs> so then Akeem goes to the barber shop and wants to get Soul Glow too, but his hair looks dope. It looks so good. He and it's funny, you know, the barber like you don't need that to catch a woman. Blah, blah, blah. But it's the same thing, right? You're like don't don't do the thing that's popular. That's sometimes dumb. It's usually I feel like these dumb. eyebrows, these eyebrows, all these women have eyebrows are such a thing right now. Like, stop making your eyebrows look so big. Y'all are going to look back on these pictures and yeah. all this makeup. People are wearing a ton of makeup. I saw someone who had big uh, rect- rectangle eyebrows. Yeah, it was strange. I didn't understand why that was, uh, you know, popular. People are getting them tattooed on. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to worry about wounding. it. But anyway, the reason I asked <laughs> when you were a kid, because my coping mechanism has not changed throughout my life. I developed it when I was a child and I have realized I have just spent decades fortifying it and it's gotten worse and it hasn't always worked for me. It's just isolation is what it is. And it all stems from a fear of death. This is what I've traced it back to. I was a happy kid until I found out that one day I was going to die and people I cared about were going to die. And then you get the standard answer after that. Well, what happens after you die? Oh, you'll go to heaven. I never believed it. Not once. Not for a second did I believe that. And it instilled such anxiety. And my way of coping with it was to just ignore it and avoid it and isolate. It's like, oh, that's going to happen one day. But it's, it's very, very far away. And, you know, and as the years go by, it's like, oh, it's getting a little closer. It's getting a little closer. And I think, you know, my interpersonal relationships suffered from it. I didn't like to be put upon in any sort of way. And then, uh, so it's multiple things here. The stress that I couldn't handle uh, got lumped into the isolating as a coping mechanism. And then also, I didn't really want to get close to people, I don't think, because one day they were going to die, and that would be a very sad time. <laughs> and this this is the structure and the foundation of my whole existence. So when you were a kid, what kind of what kind of isolating did you do? And I mean, what kind of what would stress you enough to make you everything would stress way? me out. So I brought up uh, school. Uh, if I were if I had class and a teacher gave us an assignment, a paper that was due in a week, let's say, I was so angry. I was like, "How dare you put this on me? I didn't even have anything planned later. But if I did have something planned, <laughs> now I can enjoy that thing because you've put this on top of me. And on top of that, to make it worse, I could have just done the paper." soon and gotten it out of the way but i'd push it to the last second so i'd live with the week with this hanging over me um and then i would write the paper at the the last minute the night before and i'd turn it in and i'd still do well and that's a whole other thing school just taught me i could half-ass things and still do a better <laughs> job than most people which right. is which is no lesson to learn um so it's almost like having the stress is pretty comforting probably it it's like that's an argument, I guess. That there's comfort and stress. At least stress is an excuse for me to go back. I think what it because then to start the paper is even more difficult than just having the stress. Yes, I, I, what it boils down to is control. I think coping mechanisms are simply people looking for ways to control, and they do it all different ways. My way was to go retreat to a space that was mine. That's where my control was. I didn't want to impose on anyone. I didn't want to get in anyone's way because you come across people who try to control situations and they could try to control the people around them. Or you, 
you meet people who pretend to be something that they're not, like a hippie in middle school, because that's the control of their world. You know, they're controlling their image. And I know that's a little different because you're actually just trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. But as you, <laughs> as you progress into adulthood, uh, I feel like people pretend to be things that they're not. And it's for the simple reason that they have more control over that image and what people think of them. Possibly. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think we're going into different things, like different areas, because when you talk about you being a kid in control, I mean, maybe it has something to do with where kids don't have any control over their life. So this is the one thing you can control. But I feel like yours stems from just anxiety. It does stem from anxiety. Do you think that if you had gotten, I don't know, some... So your parents never said anything to you about this or noticed it or wanted to help you or... That's the thing. My parents left me alone, which I thought was cool. But yeah. now as I gotten older and I, I, you know, my parents were there, they were available, emotionally present um, if I needed them. But they kind of left me alone. And like, what, what are you doing? Nothing. What's going on? Nothing. And they never really asked questions as to why I wouldn't engage or why hmm. I had no interest in talking to them about things. Which, again, at the time, like the Umbro thing, I thought was cool. This is the the opposite. I was angry before, but you know, I thought this was cool. But then later on, why why didn't you ask questions about such a thing? It's like Eric was saying about his son Nick being mad at him for not giving him braces when he was a kid. When as a kid, he said he didn't want them. Yeah. And now he's saying, well, you should have given him given them to me because I was a kid. Who cares what I think? It's like well, we're trying to respect you. That is true. I mean, if the kid needs braces and you know in the long run it's going to be better for the kid. I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, kids grow up without braces. Not every single kid needs braces. Some people can have interesting looking teeth. <laughs> I never had braces. I just had retainers. Oh, you only had retainers? Yeah. I didn't have braces I had, either. I had retainers that fixed an overbite. At some point there were big, big blocks on the retainers so they would fit yeah. over my molars. And this is another thing that happened, just tied to anxiety. Okay. Uh, when, when my teeth would get loose, because you lose a couple of the molars, right? Some fall out. Uh, one was loose, and I wouldn't take the retainer out because it was holding the tooth in <gasps> place. I refused. Yeah. Like it, the tooth was still connected. It wasn't like it had fallen out, but yeah. I wouldn't remove the retainer because like, this thing is loose and such anxiety. Um, Man, do you think you could have taken medicine when you were a kid and it would have really helped you? Possibly. I mean, I, what medicine? What medicine do they give kids for that? I don't know. Do they give kids antidepressants? I Would, think they give them like Wellbutrin or something. I don't know. I really don't know. I wouldn't have been opposed to medicine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, well, and, 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 and this is branching out seemingly a bit, but I do think, you know, when I bring up coping, I think because it, it does tie to uh, methods of control of your life. And obviously, you know, anxiety is a big thing that has caused me to just develop awful coping mechanisms, which have stayed the same for decades. I just want to blow stuff up, which I've progressed from that. When I was younger, for example, in a relationship, if the relationship wasn't going well and a fight came up, I would mm. use that as an opportunity and I would push that thing until the relationship blew up just to get the person you know, far away from me because I didn't like the demands that were being put on me in the relationship and I had to de to deliver certain things that I didn't feel were authentic. And You couldn't just say, this isn't working for me anymore, we need to split up. You instead had to make them break up with you so that you had control over your image? Yeah, and it's not even necessarily- like how you're perceived by it, this person? It's not even perception at that point, I don't care. It's just, 
I didn't want to be the person because I don't <laughs> like to impose on people. I didn't want to be the person that hurt the other person directly uh, and in, in a more adult manner by saying we should break up. Yeah, that hurts in the moment, but instead of you know these the slow decline into shit, a sad death of the garden is the way I think of it. <laughs> it's like, all right, there's a, I'm just not going to maintain this relationship anymore. Right. The and, garden is getting too much of a burden for you. So you're just going to lock the gate and not water it so anymore. The, so the, yeah, then the garden dies a slow death and it's very right. sad. But within that, there'd be opportunities to maybe burn a bit of the garden. It's like, all right, let's speed this process up a bit. Right. And that's when burn I would like to try to blow <laughs> things up. It's like, and this is ridiculous. And I realize that it's, it's, evolved so those kind of outbursts don't happen anymore but i still do things like for example work i have a boss everyone has a boss at work and they ask you to do things a certain way and if i'm working on a project and i'm doing it my way and someone dare interrupt this they dare impose on me and say you should do this i'll say okay i'll do that and then i'll purposely not do it that way i'll still continue to do it my way just to make that person's life a little more difficult even if you feel like it was a good idea you still wouldn't do it because they they they've imposed themselves on you they've imposed on me they've come into my space my space like do you typically feel like what they bring is actually good but you're annoyed that they're coming to you in the first place i mean that's a valid question i'm sure it goes both ways a lot of the okay. times i think that suggestions are stupid and you should leave mm -hmm. me alone other times if i'm honest about it you're like all right that's a good idea but still how dare you come into my space this is what it all boils down to when i say isolation it's not sitting at mm. home like a hermit i mean like i can isolate in plain sight it's like this is my space don't you dare come into this space it's a negative space in a way not negative like uh, you know, being, good or bad. Yeah. Not, not, uh, outlook right. on the world's screw people. Everyone's so awful. It's like a negative space as opposed to, it's hard to explain. I think this sums it up. I want freedom in life, but it's not a freedom to do things. It's a freedom from things. <sighs> freedom the, from things. I just, I don't want anyone to bother me. So Another example of this is uh, Christina, my girlfriend. She was moving, and we set up a time, 8 a.m. I was going to be at her place. We were going to move, and then I had other things I was going to do later in the day. She switched the time on me, and of course I was going to help her move. But, you know, I got annoyed internally. It's like you're switching the time, and I had these other plans. And so instead of saying, of course, I'll switch the, these other things around and I'll help you, I let her know the other things were there and I left it vague onto mm -hmm. as if I was going to change around my plans or not, even though there was never a question that I wasn't going to help her. It's these kind of things it's like, oh, you bother me now? Now I'm going to play this stupid childish game with you because it's the same way I used to cope when I was four. <laughs> and uh, now you can wonder if I'm going to be available to help you or not, which then just leads to bigger problems. Could she sense that you were feeling a certain way? Yeah, she can sense. I don't know. I, I'm just sometimes disgusted with myself. <laughs> that is the way I feel. And then you seem to have a healthy approach to this. You're like, ah, shit happens in life, and you just got to keep moving forward. And only through experience. Yeah, that's I mean, th that's that's the way things are supposed to work, right? Which is why I was curious about the way you would handle things when you were a kid, because I assume you're a child, yeah. you develop some way of handling this, 
it's you know it works at the time but you get older and you realize this isn't really going to do it for me and you evolve so i think that my dad i must have gotten my dad's temperament in that way because i mean my dad is he's got his own reasons why he does this but i think it at least passed the best part of that on to me which is well there's nothing you can do about it so why worry about it you know and that is a lot of what i do now I am on Zoloft and that's not because I can cope with everything perfectly. I mean, I was not able and I don't know whether it's because of having a you know, having pee and having your chemicals changed so much or something. I don't know whether it's that or whether it really is because I it really was because I was overwhelmed, but before I was on the Zoloft, that was I think the most stressful time that I've ever experience so in your life you'd been you know pretty good with dealing with the anxiety yeah, things stress you out and you're worried and stuff that's fine but then this built to a point where it was becoming a bit too much this was i mean out of my i was just drowning in the way that i would feel i mean i would feel fine you know you'd hear me on the air i'm not like hey it's me you know i wasn't like super depressed in that way but I mean, I would just get, when I would get overwhelmed, then I would just be underwater and, uh, and I couldn't handle the way that I was feeling. And I was telling Travis, like, I need help. I'm not going to kill myself, but I sure wouldn't <laughs> mind being dead. You know, that kind of thing. And you that start, was you really start to, I think, understand when people commit suicide, which is a scary yes. thing. It's like, no, I have no plans of doing this. But Anthony Bourdain, for example, when he committed suicide people like i Mm -hmm. why what this is i i looked at and i said i get it i can't really even explain why but i understand you know that guy had struggles with drug use and and sometimes when you don't have the fulfillment it doesn't come from the success you know of the tv show or the fame or the money um you know it's just lacking at times and and if it becomes a grind still feeling like a piece of shit in spite of having everything yes which that can make it even worse, I guess. I, it probably does make because, it worse. Yeah, because when you feel like a piece of shit and your life is also a piece of shit, you're like, well, I'm a piece of shit. But then when you get all this opportunity and fame and money and everything you could ever need and you still feel like a piece of shit, then it's like, whoa, I must really be a piece of shit. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a sad existence. Like, it's yeah. a shame that there's not, and, and, you know, it's on people. I think people have a, an idea that other people won't understand or people will judge them, and surely plenty will. Like, oh, okay, you. What do you have to complain about? And you know, mm-hmm. who wants to deal with that when you're actually struggling with something? But you know, when it's the isolation again is not a good place to stay, which is a big thing that I've been working on is changing the way I handle things because just a whole bunch of shit breeds in isolation. And I and that going back to what you said. So when you're talking to Travis, you're like, all right, I'm not going to commit suicide, but if you remember your point before I sidetracked this. No, I just, um, that was just a real scary, dark time. And that wasn't, I feel like, um, I've always, my feet have always touched the ground, even when I was, even when the waters were rough. (laughs) But at this point it was like, there was no ground. I could not, I was keeping my head above water and I was fine sometimes. But then when I wasn't, like I, I could tread water fine. But then it gets when tiring. I was, you yeah, can't tread exactly. water forever. You'll sink at some point. 
but now I'm closer to shore and I can handle my life. And I don't know. I mean, that's because of this medicine I'm taking. And it's made my life so much better. I cannot believe how great. Like, I can actually enjoy the kids. Before, I felt like there were t- fun times I would have with them. But it was more like I couldn't. I wasn't like um those those times weren't soaking in to my soul. And it was more like I don't have time to have fun with you. Because I got to get this done. I got to this. Da, 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 da. And then... Um, there was a lot of them and anybody who has kids understands this thing that they do, you know, they just suck your everything out of you. And I felt like I had to be so patient and so good at being a mom that I wasn't able to express who I really was or my genuine reaction to how I was feeling. Because if I express my genuine reaction then I'd be like I don't know slapping them or you know like lashing out or scaring them which I did do I didn't hit them I I did you know scare them a little not scare them I wasn't like fuck you you know (laughs) I did react sometimes that was maybe a little bit much but I felt like it was my only way to get their attention or to like change whatever that was happening and it was also it felt good to get it out but then their reaction afterward, the way that I felt about who I was or what kind of mom I was being was even worse. Um, and then you start to think like, well, I can never be my true self. And that's when I started to feel dead. Because I was like, I'm never. This is it. I, yeah, I may as well just be dead because I'm just walking around pretending to be. I mean, not all the time, but when I would when I would start to not be able to keep my head above water that's when i had to pretend that i was fine and then i and then uh i just felt like i was dead already well this is it's interesting so you said before and i i don't think it's a bad approach but you know when you needed to deal with things you would just keep moving forward yeah until that didn't work for you anymore like Mm -hmm. it got to be a point where that's not really gonna help or fix this problem yeah and i feel like that's you know what has happened with me through Another incarnation, you know, I I don't make it any kind of lie that I enjoy opiates. You know, I've never ventured into heroin because I figure ignorance is bliss. And if I know (laughs) what it's like and I like it, then it's that's it for me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there are times when isolation serves a purpose until it doesn't. It's soothing until it's not. And then you start beating yourself up like, what are you doing? It's like really to offset some of the stuff you need to be active. You need to be proactive. You need to take control of your life and not just sit around. Um, and then, you know, I offset that at a period of my life just with some with drugs. It's like I'm just going to take this so to shut up that other part of my brain mm. that's telling me that this one way isn't working for me, which is really ridiculous. You were trying to get that fulfillment through interactions, but it wasn't happening. So instead, you were going to light that part up of your brain with it's cheating drugs yeah it's right. cheating i mean when you hijack your reward system with right. drugs it's, <laughs> yeah. it is surely cheating yeah. um you know and I, I guess it didn't get so awful but it got bad enough i mean it got to the point where i had to go to atlanta at that one point and detox in the highland inn yeah. i had withdrawals in a in one of the rooms there which I stayed in that room, your detox room. Yeah, I know. I pointed out now. I'm like, that's the <laughs> detox room. I can't remember yep. the number, but uh, now everyone knows. That's that's the. I mean, look, I'm not the, the first end of the hall. <laughs> I'm not the first one to have detoxed. 
in the Highland Inn, I'm sure. Um, but that's a dangerous path, too. And I see, like, you were talking about Zoloft, and I was thinking, what did people do before? Before their antidepressants, and there's still a stigma attached to those. You know, some and some people say, that hey, you're weak if you take... I, I think that's all ridiculous. There is something to be said that, yes, people didn't have access to this before. What did they do? I think a lot of them turned to booze and, and drugs. Sure. Um, and the people who didn't, I don't... How happy are people, really? There's always this illusion, you see. And again, people put forward uh, right. a, an Their image... Best. Which is a control thing. I don't want people to think that my life is awful. So I'm going to pretend that it's uh, good. Look at all this stuff. And I'm not even talking about social media before. Old people, for example. Uh, people look, oh, look at that old couple. Oh, I wish I had a relationship like that. You don't know what that relationship was. They could have hated each other, but they just stayed together because that's what you were supposed to do. Or they didn't want to get divorced. And, you know, they did the thing where they just put their head down and forged forward. And they got through it. And I think at the end of life, you're like, look at all this shit we did together. And then there's maybe some bond that forms Right, camaraderie. There. Yeah, it's like we, were, we went through war together. And we were enemies. <laughs> we were fighting each other. And now, you know, ceasefire. And people see them sitting on a bench in a park, feeding pigeons, right. holding hands. Like, oh, what a, an amazing relationship. It's like you have no clue. But maybe it was good, too. I don't want to be completely cynical. <laughs> but I'm just curious as to what people used to do. Like, what is the... I, may, maybe people what do you mean? Doubt, when, when, when are you talking about? Uh, just in... I'm, I'm talking in the 50s? About, well, or? before antidepressants, but even outside of that, you know, mental health wasn't something that was really... Uh, hit upon too much. No one really talked about it. There wasn't too much emphasis put on it. And I'm just curious. And maybe just some people don't have anxiety and everything's fine. And I don't know what that world is. And I can't imagine what that world is. I mean, there might be something to we don't have a lot of actual things to worry about. Like the way that our brain evolved, we've we've taken it to such an extreme where we don't have to occupy our time with physical activity you know even the stay-at-home wife like in the you know in 1900 right the father would go off to work and she wasn't like starting the dishwasher and putting a load of laundry in you know and then sitting down or whatever or then starting to mop the floor or something she had to you know scrub you know, her shirts and cracks in her fingers and uh, clean and dust because if they didn't, they'd get some weird disease or like mites, you know? <laughs> there was a lot more to worry about and to do. Well, was it, did you say- And do you, maybe that physical activity, the tangible- uh, The tangible uh, misery instead of the <laughs> the mental misery? Okay. I wonder, though, if it occupied your brain. And so you you didn't have time to sort of be as upset because you had to, you, I mean, uh, not to say that, I don't mean somebody who has like bipolar wouldn't have bipolar because they had the washing to do. I mean, people who are maybe depressed, you know, I don't think that being depressed can be solved by long walks, but I bet you someone who's very sedentary and doesn't have a great diet um, could really be helped by oh, physical no, certainly. activity. Certainly. Yeah, you know, if you sit around, that's not going to make anything better. And I agree with what you're saying. I was thinking, um, 
you know, my grandparents knew each other for two weeks and then got married. Wow. This was after World War Two. And my grandmother, you know, being Jewish, hiding. She lived in Berlin, in Germany, forged papers, hiding throughout the war, you know, seeing a, awful, atrocious things. And then my grandfather fighting in the war and seeing death all around him. And I think was he, he an American? No, he, this is the one who fought for Germany in World War oh. II. I mean, he was, I always like to point out he was 16. Right. Yes, so he fought for Germany. But he was 16. It was near the end of the war. He was drafted. And then after the war, he worked on an American base and translated, and which is how he got his green card. You know, one of the, the generals helped him. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you get into the U.S. But I think, yeah, after going through something like that, it also puts things in a different perspective. It's like, what the hell do I have to worry about? Um, yeah seeing this and like you want to get married after two weeks like it's something i would overthink to death it's like, yeah i ah, don't <laughs> and that really is that i'll be trapped and we don't know each other that well and you know i'm very aware in saying this like i hope it doesn't sound whiny because you know i look at life it's like i can make whatever i want out of life i don't blame other people for anything it's like look this is all on me and if i'm not where i want to be that's because of me um and I do say that things like, you know, I think mental health was stigmatized and uh, the help possibly you needed isn't there. But whatever, that's the way it is. Like, I don't I don't blame anyone else for things. But um, that's just an aside because I, here I am being neurotic again, <laughs> you know, about talking about this stuff. But it is uh-huh. something it's something that we're faced with. It's like, all right. Yeah. So I didn't we didn't really have traumatic events growing up that we went through that put things in a different perspective where it's like, all right, who cares? Two weeks. Yeah. Let's get married and we'll do this. Mm-hmm. I do know my grandfather was an alcoholic. I know he had a heart attack in his fifties. You know, he wasn't really taking care of himself. There was stuff going on there and then he survived and he cleaned up his act. Um, but some of these choices, surely overthinking doesn't do any good. <laughs> it doesn't sure. take, it doesn't take you to places you really need to be. Um, which is why I've put in the work just in general. Um, you know, again, with using drugs, I was like, this is a path I could easily see myself going way too far down. And I'll bring this up. I, I haven't brought it up on the other show or anything. But I told you that I started going to smart recovery meetings, which is not AA in the sense that it's not based in a higher power. It's like cognitive behavioral therapy. Well, it's not even therapy, but because... Right. You go there, though, and there's the part where you talk to other people who are also battling uh, any any kind of compulsive behavior, you know, anything they're using to cope with life. Um, but on top of that, there's the exercises to teach you, you know, better coping skills. Cool. What are the exercises? Well, I mean, I'm just getting into it. Uh, a lot of them are. A lot of them are kind of mind games in a way, like if you have a craving, it's like all right, fine, I'm allowed to have this. When you don't battle it, right? You don't say, okay. I'm not allowed to feel this way. You can say, I have this. I'm just going to give it 15 minutes. And if I feel like this in 15 minutes, then I'll decide what to do then. And then 15 minutes passes. And you said, well, well, maybe I'll give it another 15 minutes. And the truth is, after like 30 minutes, that's, right. that's gone. That'll pass. I love that. I want to go to this thing. You can go to them. I mean, Because not- I feel like sometimes I go into a fugue state when I'm eating or like when I've I have this thing that I've I've realized the pattern where I'll think about like the treat that I'm gonna have and I know what <laughs> we have at the house and I'm like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna put that in there and then I'm gonna have that 
And when I get to the house, I'm doing my thing. And then I just get that stuff. And I think a little, a little like red light in my head's like, don't do this. This is the thing that you do and you shouldn't be doing it. And you'll regret it later. And then you'll feel fat and you'll say, <laughs> why did I do that? And then I think, well, keep going. Do my thing that I had planned. And then I eat it. And then I feel like garbage. And I fe- and I think afterwards, like, why didn't I listen to that alarm that was going off? I knew I was doing it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that 15 minutes thing might be. Just, <laughs> I know my friend Michelle, who I guess is going to be mentioned on every single episode of our show. <laughs> she, I mean, we've both done this. We're like, we're, you know, with the French onion dip and chips. And you're just eating it. You cannot stop. And you're like, I can't. I want to stop. But you just can't. And so you throw it in the sink and you pour, you know, dishwasher soap all over it. Because you can't just put it in the trash. Because you know what, bitch? I'm going in the trash and I'm getting some more. No, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to like destroy it. Yeah, you got to put it out of reach. It's like, right. there's no way. And maybe even once, I like the idea of you put the j- dish soap on it, and you're like, well, I'll still try it. Scoop out you know? the top of it. <laughs> so you can, yeah. By that point, you probably have sunk in. Yeah. But uh, like, it's not too bad. <laughs> it tastes a little soapy. Well, give it a go next time. I mean, yeah, these, I will. I love that. These meetings are interesting because it isn't just people with substance abuse issues, there are people who do have eating disorders who come in and people come in and just about their anxiety disorders, you know, mm-hmm. and you're trying to find ways to better cope. And it's, I think it's a very healthy thing. I still think it is kind of strange that we live in a world where people view it as if eh, you're a little weak. You can't figure that out, huh? And that's why I posed the question, I was like, who does have it figured out? And if they do, I'm not saying nobody does. That's not a, you know, a, some kind of uh, claim that I'm making. That nobody's got to figure it out. Maybe people do, and I'm just curious. I think that if the people that you might think have it all figured out, if you put your brain in their head, then they would also be freaking out. Do you know what I mean? Well, if They're, I put my brain in their head as me, though, because they'd as be you like they would start, they, they would start overthink. You know what I mean? It's like the only problem is your brain won't let you just be just content. <laughs> that that's true. Because it's not like you have to have everything figured out to be happy. No, I just think that you need to. I don't like this goes back to what I said before being imposed upon in any sort of way. This show that I'm building that's going on later tonight, uh, the the, Fireside Mystery Theater, 99 sound cues in this show. Wow. I hate putting the sound cues together. I yell. I sit on my couch. I scream. (laughs) I was like, this is a stupid cue. Who would say that this needs to be here? Then I go do the show, and I love it. I love it. And after the fact, and that's why I keep doing it, because otherwise, why would I do it? So I get something out of it. You've been doing it for years. Yeah. But the process, I don't like being imposed upon. And this is something that's imposing on me, even though it's my choice. This is the pathology that I'm trying to battle here. You got to learn to like the process. And I think that's where you get fulfillment. It's like, it's not just the result. It's like, there's a whole process here. It's not always going to be good. It's not always going to be great. But if you're able to live in the moment, I have a drawer filled with ticket stubs, plane tickets, just memories of things that I've done that in the moment, I hated them. I didn't want to do them. 
someone say, how dare you ask me to go to this concert? I was going to, again, a freedom from things, not a freedom mm-hmm. to do things. I don't even know what I would have done. I would have sat at home and done nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's not doing anything good for me. But how dare you ask me to go to this concert? And then go to the concert, and after the fact, I was like, that was, that was all right, even though in the moment I didn't like it. But I look back on it now via a ticket stub in a drawer. I was like, ah, oh, this this, that was a good time. I'm glad that I did that. I was like, that is an awful way to live. So with the the cue, the the music, uh, the, the sound cue thing, mm-hmm. and how you don't like the process, I don't know if you have to enjoy the process to then, what was it, to be fulfilled by it? Is that what you said? Well, I'm just, I, I think in general, looking for fulfillment, it's, mm-hmm. it's not <clears throat> like an end-all, be-all. It's not a destination. I just think that there are many things in life, small things that kind of come together where you can form fulfillment. And this is what, if I'm sitting around hating everything I have to do, I'm never going to be fulfilled. Can it just be, uh, so I think that there's like a Buddhist way of thinking about that where it's, um, you take that feeling that you're having Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you put it on the table and you acknowledge it. You're like, there's that thing that I always feel during this time. There it is. (laughs) You know, and you don't, you don't, uh, make it this demon that can take over and you don't right because you still make the sound cues you're not like it doesn't take you over and you say well fuck it you know and you don't do it you still do it but maybe you can look at it and say okay there's that thing that i this is the part of the process i don't like but i know when i get there it's gonna be i'm gonna like what i'm doing this is just like a necessary evil of this part of the job that could work but there's part of building the cues that's also enjoyable because it's not mm-hmm. just door opening, which is, you know, a simple thing. Sometimes I have to build these pretty elaborate things like ship hitting an iceberg and ripping apart and sinking. Oh god. You gotta pull like cues from all over and you gotta make a mix and you gotta make right. the sound thing sound good. And, you know, after I'm done with it, again, I'm like, oh wow. This is why I don't I've always wanted to write. I don't write because I don't like having the unfinished I don't like sitting there. I don't like the process. I don't like <laughs> having an unfinished piece of work. Uh-huh. It's like it causes such stress, which is then when I just go sit on my couch and don't know what I do. So like, I don't know what I do. Yeah. What, am I, what am I? What did I spend my night doing? It's like, I don't know. It's yeah. gone now. Another day is gone. You know, and in a while it was, what are you going to do? It's like, give me some pills. That's what I want to do. You won't have to think about all that. It really mutes that part of your brain that you don't like, that that bothers you. Yes. Awful coping. Awful yep. coping skills, Autumn. This is how they've evolved. I mean, they've evolved since then, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. And even in the sense that I'm expressing the fact I care about people more, which freaked you out when I first told you that it I loved you. It did not freak me out. <laughs> like, what? Huh? What? This is weird. What are you getting at, Greg? <laughs> freak out <laughs> you're trying to huh i'm not surprised by anything you do <laughs> well all of that is in me it's always been in me I, yeah and i avoid it because it opens up a door i was like i this is a lot of stuff you know i don't know what it, i was pleasantly surprised <laughs> i was like oh well it's true okay it's Love true you. <laughs> 
you know, but going down that path, you're putting a lot on yourself. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to have to carry. There may be things that I have to carry on my shoulders that I don't mm-hmm. want to do by telling people that I care about them. And also, if I express my care for them, one day they're going to die and that's going to be very sad. Yeah. And I don't know how I'll deal with that. And we'll see. <sighs> a lot of it, I think, is made up. I haven't dealt with death much in my life. I um, just realized today... I was, I made, I've, you know, been on that bread kick and I made some really good bread and everybody was enjoying it. And I was so happy that I had everybody there. Like the kids were both asking for more bread. They wanted bread. Travis loved it. And I I told them that I was glad that they were around so that I could make bread for them. Because if I was just into bread and I made my bread myself and I was eating it by myself, I mean, I would be happy that I made a good bread, but it's way more fun to give it to other people and have them enjoy it. And I was really grateful that they were there, even though, you know, not having kids would be a lot easier on my life. Even Travis not being around, you know, it would be fun to be alone a lot of times, even though he is, I love having him around, but you know, just another thing that you have person you have to deal with in your life and whatever. But I was so grateful that I had them there because and I wonder too, like that was that's why people post on social media their lunches and stuff because they're like, there's no one here to talk to about this. <laughs> and even though the coping mechanism for you might be to isolate yourself, right, then you never get to be you never get to experience anything with anyone else. You know, like you, you don't go out or you don't invite someone over or something and you're doing something by yourself. And you laugh or you enjoy something about a movie. There's no one else there to experience that with you. No, you're exactly right. And I, I do like doing things alone. And I always will. But I also, there's, yeah, there's a longing to do, to experience things with other people. I remember when you first moved to New York, you told me about being on the subway and like keeping in like physical contact with the person next to you on purpose, like not shifting if you were accidentally rubbing your arm on so you know like, like if your someone shoulders, else's arm touched your you your shoulders will touch if you sit close on the train right sometimes like, that's nice i mm. thought man that's that's a real um symptom of what it he might be feeling is that he's like enjoying yeah, that's, all i can get is this physical touch from a stranger and i'll take it that's the old cliche with new york lonely amongst millions mm-hmm. you know there's a there was a long article written i think in the new york times about a man who died in his apartment wasn't found for two weeks, had no next of kin. What happens to people like that? Because I think there are a lot of them here, and it's kind of sad. And then, they, you know, they figured out stuff with this guy's life, and he basically, he had friends and some family, and he just isolated. He just removed yeah. himself from everyone at some point. And uh, he, he died the, the sad, I mean, I, once you're dead, it doesn't matter, right? But looking back on it as a person who's still alive, it's like, that was a sad death. He, he was in his apartment for two weeks. Nobody even knew until it started to smell. Then they couldn't find anyone. And what they end up doing with your body is they take it to this island called Heart Island. <gasps> and uh, they Heart just, Island? Yeah, but it's not spelled with an E, H-A-R-T. Okay. They take <laughs> Lonely it, Hearts Island? They take it to Heart Island, which is also where they bury uh, homeless people when they die. <gasps> And it's it's also where they buried sick people. They had like smallpox and stuff a long time ago. Wow! It's in the Long Island Sound. And like, yeah, here's an island, and we're just gonna put these people who've got nobody in these unmarked graves. Wow! Just dump them in there. Ghost Island. Why it's, aren't the ghost hunters going there? I mean, who wants to? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, the ghost hunters. Yeah. 
I don't. That's wanna... how they're coping. Yeah. They're coping uh, I was in, about... in really believing in the afterlife <laughs> <laughs> enough where they can sense it with like an e-meter or whatever. But nobody wants to go that way, right? Once you're there, it doesn't no. matter. But you talking about having, you know, a It family. depends on how you die. Like if you die and you know you're dying and you're all alone, that's got to be real terrifying. Yeah, it doesn't make it any better. Any kind of plan to avoid being close to people and just avoiding yeah. any kind of commitment in life because, you know, once you get to death, maybe it'll make it easier. I know that death's coming and maybe I'll feel better about it. And no, I don't think it works. You know you're dying or you just know you're old and you've got no one. My Aunt Eileen died uh, like in this really sort of old-fashioned way where she didn't want any more treatment at the hospital. She wanted to go home and she just wanted to die. And so I think it like took a week and a half for her to die. And she kept, you know, waking up every morning being like, why? She said like, why won't Jesus, why isn't Jesus taking me? <laughs> like she was like, when am I, when's it going to happen? Um, but she had all of us, we all got to go visit her and tell her how much we loved her, you know, and like say things to her that we wanted to say to her because we thought that maybe she would be gone and never, you know, and I think that that's a really cool way. Was that difficult for you? Yeah. But you know what it was like? It was like um, a birth when you are trying to not have medical intervention and have a baby. Mm -hmm. Because even with death and with life, you're trying to figure out when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? I want to control how it happens. But you really just have to let go. You just have to like let go and let God, you know, like my, this baby's going to come when they come. I'm going to feel what I'm going to feel. Baby's going to be okay, typically, if you're healthy and everything's fine along the way. But it's the same way with death. Like you're going to, if you're sick and you want to die, you just got to wait. You just got to wait for it to happen. And eventually it will. But in the meantime, you can, you can have like a better experience instead of like people who have, you know, who want the doctors want your baby to come on the specific date. And so they induce you and then you're in more pain and then the baby's more stressed. And then you have to maybe have a surgery, you know, have to have a C-section and then you have to recover from that. I mean, that's, you know, you know, or you have this kind of, I don't know how that applies to being dead or how you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> There's not like a planned death that's, I guess, equivalent to that, but, more like you can't control you can't you have to let go and that's the thing and there, that's the thing and that's what i that's what i'm saying how i cope too you just gotta let go well that is ultimately what you need to do there's so much we can't control yeah and i think the coping just comes as i said as a way to grasp for control whatever it is like even awful people people who manipulate other people um and i'm not excusing any kind of behavior but i think you know, outside of just real mental disorders, uh, anything that's a behavior, like narcissists is a mental behavior. I mean, it's a, it's a disorder. But I also think it's something, you know, learned as a kid. It's just, it's, you're faced with awful circumstances of neglect and not feeling like you're good enough for other people. And, you know, you just learn these behaviors Mm -hmm. They give you some kind of relief from all the pain that you feel. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm reminded of feeling control where 
you know, Travis has been sort of furloughed. And so he's at home working downstairs in, at our kitchen table. And he just works in silence. He just is doing his thing on his computer. He's doing whatever. And I keep saying, like, do you want to have some music on or something? No, I'm fine. And I just, oh, I can't. Like, I, I have to, like, suck that thing out of my brain and leave it behind. Because all I want to do is, like, no, no, no. You'll be better with music on. Let me put something on. Like, some, you know, classical music or some, like, smooth jazz or something just in the background. Because that's how I work. Smooth jazz. Just something. <laughs> like, not so something that you have really to sing along. Lift some spirits. Yeah. Just not something that you want to have to sing along with and it's going to distract you. Like, I love this song and you can't focus on what you're reading or doing. Just something. Like, I can't work in complete silence. And I don't know how he does it. And that's a time where um, I have to stop that thinking in my brain. Like, nope, that's you trying. He's fine. You know, you you are not, you don't know the best thing for him. You don't. And I think before my Zoloft, I was doing that a lot more. It was like, you know, you are doing that wrong, and I'm going to tell you the right way to do it. You're trying to control things. Mm-hmm. You know, before, because maybe because I felt out of control before the show uh, when we referenced the Flaming Lips song "Fight Test," but on that same album, "Morning of the Magicians," the one line in that song, uh, "The universe will have its way, too powerful to master." As the dawn began to break, I had to surrender. The universe Ooh. will have its way. Too powerful to master. It's my favorite song in that album. Oh, that's a good one. I hear things like that. I'm like, yes, I should apply that to my life. And then it's yeah. it's a little more difficult to do. But it's hard because you have to put it. I mean, you have to practice it. Like anything else. Yeah. But people just expect that you're you know it. They're like, no one. Well, really- that's why people end up seeming so wise when they're older is because they've just been through more. Right. It's not because they're innately wise people. They've just seen it and done it. But it's, yes, exactly. But it's still pointless to tell younger people what you know. Because, right. again, they'll listen and maybe they think, yeah, that's smart. You got People they just got to figure it out on their own. And sometimes I think people don't figure it out. Or some people don't even try. It's, it's okay. like being mad at these kids nowadays. <laughs> these kids nowadays. Uh, whether we're talking about the smirking kid or whether we're talking about you know, millennials or such social justice warriors, like let them, I'm not saying let them go crazy and let them do whatever they want, but let's all stop being so upset that this is happening. Isn't this the same thing that's happened before with like the hippies were doing it in the it 70s, always happens. 60s? Yeah, I, it always happens. I think it's a little more pronounced now. It's more because there's more ways for us to get that information through yeah. the Internet. So you it's see in your it face. and it's seemingly affecting you in negative ways if you're opposed to it. Um, yeah, because like the old man would not have been interacting with this age of a kid or something no because they were just yeah but now it's like well i've got my facebook <laughs> and my twitter blowing up no it is important to just leave things let people you can try to instill wisdom on the people you can try to impose on the people and i i know that the reverse is sometimes you know people feel like the the youngins are imposing on them think like, all right well you know yeah leave it alone for the time being and as I was saying before, I feel like uh, some people never figure it out. And that's fine if you if you try. Some people don't even try. And then just to wrap it up with me, I, th- I feel like the way I'm viewing it now is like that was a time of my life. That's the way I lived that. 
that got a lot of comfort out of it. And I also, you know, it, it probably made things worse at the same time. But it's it's over now. It has to be over. And I'm leaving that room. Yeah. And I'm locking that door. And I'm going to walk away. Easier said than done. But There's still a window in the doorway. You can look through the window. You, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm yeah, because but room. you still think about those times. You're allowed to look like reflect upon it. Oh yeah, I can go back, uh, you know, to pick up uh, a coat that I left behind. <laughs> sure. As long as I don't linger for too long. No, just don't get comfortable in that chair, in that room. No, that's no. Maybe there's some pills I dropped in the cushions. <laughs> don't look for the pills in the cushions. No, I won't. Okay. You got to flush them. It's like the cake. You can't just keep them around. No, you got. <laughs> you got to get rid of them. You can't just put them in a drawer in a drawer. And put them away like you're never going to eat them again. <laughs> so, you got to throw dishwasher liquid all over your pills. So I, I don't think dishwasher liquid would stop. You're not. No, you're not you taste, rinse it off. Yeah. Just, no, you can't rinse it off on them because then the water causes it to dissolve and you lose some of it. Oh, no. You just did uh, quickly. The dishwashing detergents on it and you just quickly. It's like, I'll just still swallow this thing. Throw so it in the I, bit. I had a thought about like letting the kids do their thing mm-hmm. and how... What if we were in Nazi Germany and we were like, this Hitler thing, that's going to blow over. Well, that's different. That's a person in power <laughs> yeah, who can really influence things. And not to say that, you know, you get enough people together that you can't influence things no matter your sta- where your standing in life is. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a direct comparison. Don't you think that people are thinking of Trump and his influence on people and kids and people? But kids and adults being a little hit. I'm not saying this, but a a he's setting the tone for the way that people should be treated. I I don't even think he's doing that purposely. Yeah, it doesn't. If if that's the effect, if that's happening, you know that's a problem. Um, and I do. Well, think and that's it, what that smirking kid with the Native American guy was all about. Yeah, like, both, see what Trump's doing to the youth of America. On both sides, it's setting a tone. You know, right. there are people who listen to his rhetoric, and most people know, but there are sides and extremes. He's setting, you know, some, he's saying things about people trying to cross the border and how they're all criminals, and some people buy right. into that. And like, yes, these are all awful human beings. And then, as you said, on the flip side, anyone who supports Trump is an awful human being. Right. I, I think Trump is an awful human being. Uh, but I also think Trump is this can tie it all together. He is a result of his own coping mechanisms. Yes. This is, he's just a guy who needed to prove something for whatever reasons. You know, he didn't get the love from his dad. And I just say that because that's the most hack thing to say. Sure. But whatever it is, I don't know. But that kind of behavior is learned and created. Maybe there's, you know, you're born with something that uh, makes it easier to implement such a thing, whether it be anxiety or depression or I, I don't know with narcissists necessarily. Um, and again, that's maybe a hack thing to say about Trump, but I do think he is clinically a narcissist if you look it up. It's just the behavior. And when you say the things he's saying, it's like, he's just saying the things that get him positive he gets him a lot of negative attention too but he's got a group of adoring fans Mm -hmm. and that's very important and i think with trump he's not like hitler because hitler was you know probably trying to prove something in his own right right (laughs) placing the blame hitler was sticking to a very direct message yeah and trump i feel like if he were in if he were having a rally and it were it was all 
Democrats, then he would say things very differently than he would at a rally with all Republicans. I mean, if he ran as Democrat and won the hearts of Democrats. No, I'm saying as a guy right now, instead of having a rally full of Republicans, he was like invited all the Democrats instead of Republicans into the tent. You think he'd change his message for them? I don't think he would totally change his message, but I think that he would speak more generally. I don't think he would say the same things that he would say at a rally for Republicans. At this point, I don't know if he'd actually do that. I I know what you're saying, that, that he would just flip if it got him the attention that he needed. I think early on, if he said, I'm a Democrat, and he started spewing Democratic messages and people really started to like him, uh, that he would go along with it. Again, I don't think that guy really believes right. in anything. What I think is that he might say... Other than his perceived greatness. If he were to... Yeah, he would. that would all still be there. But yes. if, he, if he was in that Democratic rally as who he is right now, don't you think he would make sure... There was more like, not all of them are criminals. A very high percentage of them are just normal people like you. But some of them are criminals and we're trying to stop that. You know what I mean? But at the Republican rally, be like, the criminals trying to get into the country. You know, that kind of, you know what I mean? It would be more, Maybe. more. I think he's already established his message that he doesn't necessarily believe in because it's gotten him his followers. He would do that if it were earlier, is all I think. But I, okay. I, I, the point it remains that he'll just say whatever he needs to say yeah. to get some kind of adoration out of people. And anybody who, if they're, if you're listening and you love Trump and you're a little upset that Greg said he thinks he's a horrible person, he's saying that he's a horrible person outside of the president. Like, I think that you did not like Donald Trump early on, not before he was president. No, that's, I mean, before that's, he was president. that's the point I always make. You know, we try not to go into politics on this show. And we don't even need to. It's just as a person, before he even got involved in politics, you read about this guy and his businesses. And it's just, it's what a terrible human being. Not a person I want anything to do with. Yeah, those lecture, no, those like classes, Trump University. Is that what it was? Yeah, running scams and just boosting his image. You know, pretending to, I think it's the epitome of you are what you pretend to be. The guy pretended to be a successful businessman. And he had enough money to make it work. And he pushed the idea enough because he made a lot of his money. Um, it's not saying he didn't get things done. Obviously, he did. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, compared to other business people, he had a lot of things that failed. And he's like, well, he's taking risks. Whatever. He pushed an image and an idea that people bought. And that's ultimately what made him most of his money. Which, fine. Fine. You can applaud someone for that if you really yeah. want to. To me, that's not something. It's like, oh, you're a good person. It's like you're just <laughs> pretending to be something and you preyed yeah. on the people who believed it. Maybe he's a great uncle. Well, that's he's a, a great, you know, <laughs> granddad. A, yeah, I doubt it. I think, <laughs> he's, I think he's... Come here, he, little baby Gucci goo. He pays no attention to his kids or grandchildren. We don't know that. Uh, it's true. We don't know that. We don't know that. But, you know, I, I, I don't think he's a person who's trying to change anything about himself. He's not leaving that room. Though his room has gotten them to... Oh, you're right. He's definitely... He's he's made a life in that room. Yes. He lives in that room. The room where we referenced earlier. The room of rooms of your past that you leave behind. And he's still in those rooms. I don't even necessarily think he's a sad person. Like, people, oh, he must be really... Sad. I think, no, he's bought into it, too. He's fooled himself, too. He believes it all, and he probably is not sitting there feeling It's working sorry. for him. Yes. If it's not working for you, then maybe you're miserable. But if it's working for you... It might not be working for other people or people the way that the way that you come off to people 
But that's if that doesn't bother you, then it's working for you. Yeah, at the expense of others. That's then, if that doesn't bother you, then it's working. That's that's the rule I try to live by. It's like don't impose on others. So this is why you love Japan too. Well, yeah, but they have their own problems. They're, they're, well, yeah, their their society is just oppressed by themselves. It's not a government oppression. It's just society says you need to be this certain way. I don't know. I could live in Japan. It is a such a reserved. Anyway, it'll be bad for me. I won't move to Japan. Why well, you'd be even more isolated? Yeah, certainly. You can. That's like the ultimate. <laughs> that's the ultimate. I think the society allows for it a bit because you're allowed to. You're supposed to be reserved, and then also you can't speak the language, and you're just amongst all these people. It's like, no, I may as well live on the moon at that point. You don't have to be reserved there. There's plenty of like, <laughs> you know, like they're all having fun. They're not just like. Sure, I'm not moving there. Yeah, that's all. Anyway, I love you, Autumn. I love you. Wow, you said it back. I always say it back. <laughs> I thought it would freak you out. <laughs> no, I thought it was a little weird the first time that you really expressed something to me via text message. I think, and that's but I I wasn't like. I didn't I wasn't weirded out I wasn't freaked out I know I'm just I'm just, just like whoa just giving you a hard time now <laughs> when somebody I'm, I'm wrapping isn't this up. like that does that to you you're like well <laughs> I'm wrapping this one up uh <laughs> since it's my show right since this was my idea I take us yep. out all right sure. well that was uh one topic where we try to stick to one topic even if it was a broad topic that allowed us to talk about many things under the umbrella of that one topic it's a little way to cheat this game I'm Greg Russ. That is Autumn Fisher. I can't be found anywhere. Autumn, where can you be found? You can find me everywhere online at Auto Pritz, P-R-I-T-T-S. And uh, the give the iTunes spiel. Yeah, go to iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and rate and review us so that iTunes, I don't know, looks at us <laughs> and makes us so that other people can maybe find us. Um, yeah, also, again. we're on Podbean if you are an Android person i think you can subscribe to our rss feed there yeah again rate and review us because uh you know that gives the image that we're we're cool and better than we really are all right until next time gazing from my window to the streets below on a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow I am a rock. I have it all.